Seeking the Lord's blessing, let us turn again to that portion of the word that we read together in John chapter 7. And our text this evening, words we find in verse 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst will come unto me and drink, he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Sometimes it can be difficult uh, when a preacher goes to a congregation that is not his own and to judge what the best uh, subject would be to preach. And that can often be the case even amongst ourselves and even here tonight I am aware that of what I know of you that quite a number or the vast majority may be even professing Christians. But I do think that we all, and I include myself, believe me friends, need to be challenged about our faith and our profession as Christians. I'll never forget that many, many years ago I was a relatively new minister. I was at a conference down in Leicester at a Banner of Truth conference. And uh, one of the speakers there, there'd be well over 300 ministers there, and one of the speakers, man, you probably know many of you, Stuart Olliot, and I remember he began one of his uh, lectures that day in this way, he said, I know there are 320 ministers here today, but I am not taking for granted that there are 320 born-again ministers here today. Well, as you can imagine, you can uh, just imagine indeed the intake of breath amongst the people. And I was one of them. And I thought my first reaction was, that's a, not a very good thing to say. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized, well, why could he not say such a thing? Should not all ministers or otherwise examine ourselves and see if we are indeed born again of the Spirit of God? And I think for ourselves, for yourself and myself, even here tonight, that it is something that we should not be afraid to ask ourselves. That's not to take away times of assurance, but are there not times when we should be asking ourselves, am I born again of the Spirit of God? Have we known this thirst? And have we more than that come and to, gone unto Christ with it? 
This, friends, here was the time when the Lord, as we have read here, was coming into the time of near, as we know, his last few months on earth. It was the last day of the Feast of Tabernacle. And it seems at the time of the Feast of Tabernacles, one of the rituals that they had was that at the end of it, the feast, the day of the feast, the great day, what we have here, the last day, that there was water poured out by the priests in a ceremonial manner and was meant to remind them of the miraculous provision for the children of Israel when Moses struck the rock and water came out of the rock and that it uh, satisfied their thirst. And that similarly is what this ceremony was about at the end of the Feast of Tabernacles. And so for the people watching and taking part in this ceremony, hearing the Lord Jesus as he was in the temple, he had come in quietly and obtrusively and seeing this water ceremony and hearing the Christ then shouting, crying out, if any man thirst, let him come unto me. The people could not but understand what he was saying. They might not agree with it, but they couldn't but understand it. And here he is making this wonderful claim. It's the same metaphoric language as we have it. I am the bread of life. He is the water of life. And we are told here that he cried, saying, if any man thirst. It wasn't something that just was whispered to a few people. It was something that went out loudly proclaimed. Indeed, it's the same word, that word crying, as we have when about the mob later on, let him be crucified. It's the same idea there that we have here. So it was something that all could hear his cry. Now, here is this, the Lord Jesus, a particular target of the Pharisees at this time. We read in verse 30, they sought to take him. In verse 32, uh, that they sent officers to take him. In verse 45, they are angry that why have you not brought him? And the Lord knew the time of his crucifixion was drawing near. But he was not afraid to declare openly who he was. And he challenged the people in that way. Those who any man thirst, let him come unto me. And it's a very clear challenge to them. And friends, I say to you, let us challenge ourselves tonight with, this, with these very words of the Lord applying them to ourselves. Here is an invitation from the Lord, an invitation to all who are there, an invitation to you and I tonight, that if we are thirsty, let us go to him. Well, if it's an invitation, what was he saying there to them? Well, friends, surely the same as he is saying to you and I here this evening. If we are thirsty, let's come to him. So it's an invitation for what? Well, first of all, I would suggest to you it's an invitation for the pardon of our sins. That, first and foremost, surely, will be behind what is said 
here for the pardon of our sins. Now here, you remember how the palsied man in, in, in Matthew 9, what is he told when he said, Thy sins are forgiven thee. It would seem that that man, it very likely probably because of a sinful past lifestyle, that he had ended up in the condition he was in, like some measure of some way of being paralyzed. But friends, like that man with a palsy, whatever his past life was, and yet his sins were forgiven. And for you and I, some of us maybe have much more of a checkered back uh, life than others. Whatever it would be, friends, this should not keep us from knowing the mercy and the forgiveness of the Lord. Whatever is in your life, whatever has been in your life, here is the invitation to you tonight. And if you have never heard it before, savingly, well, here it is from his word this evening. There is mercy and forgiveness. There is pardon for sin, whatever may be our background. We have the same thing, do we not, with, with the woman with the alabaster box of ointment in Luke. The likely, she was a woman of ill repute. But what does she find? That her sins are forgiven. That she came for pardon. That she found pardon. That she found forgiveness. And her past, however sinful, it was not a barrier to the Lord for mercy. My friend, you here tonight, whatever your sinful life, whatever your past life, whatever you were involved in, maybe nobody here knows about, but you know and you know the Lord knows. But it need not be a barrier. You can still come to the Lord. You can still respond to this mercy and forgiveness held out to you. You see, to Christ we must come, to Christ alone, who can give us pardon for our sins. What sins? Any and every sin. There is no sin that we can say, uh, usually speaking, that we can say that it's with us that cannot be forgiven. We know, of course, the sin against the Holy Ghost in our matter, but for you and I tonight, here is the invitation to us. And having our sins forgiven is the only way that we can have peace with God. It's the only way that we can know eternal happiness. And it's the only way that ultimately that we will be with him in glory where God shall wipe away every tear from our eyes. I ask you tonight, are you aware of particular sin in your life? Are you aware maybe of what can be a great sin in your life today? Are you aware maybe of, maybe if we can say a greater sin also in the past in your life that you can hardly bear to think about? I wonder there is somebody here tonight and they've kept back because of that. Or maybe here someone also who may be outwardly professing. And yet it is true that you've never received true forgiveness. Is that hard for me to say? I don't know. I'm going to look at my own life and I ask it as well. I'm asking it of you. And the Lord asks of us all these things. What do we need to do? Well, we need to go to Christ. That's where there's mercy. That's where there's forgiveness. That's where there's pardon. And we'll find mercy and pardon and forgiveness there. For what the scripture tells us, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. 
Not just this one and that one. Oh, that one's too big. It isn't. The blood of Christ cleanses from all sin. Who will know the cleansing of the blood of Christ? Those who come to him, those who respond to his offer of the gospel. If any man thirst, let him come unto me. My dear friends, let us not refuse that invitation tonight. If it has been in our lives, if we have already responded, praise God for it. Make sure that you have. Make sure that you've been right with God. Do it now. Tomorrow may be too late. Whatever we've lived like, whatever has been true of us, whatever we profess before, make sure tonight that our profession is real, that we are what we profess to be. And so the Lord Christ here is saying, you are looking at the symbolic water being poured out, but I am the one who alone can satisfy your spiritual thirst. Are you here tonight with a spiritual thirst? Could this be speaking to you here this evening? Maybe you've tried time and time and time again, and you've tasted and gone to the broken systems of this world. There's so many things that you thought would do and would keep you happy. How many of us lived like that for far too long? There's somebody here tonight still living like that? Whether it be your work or a new home or, or, or holidays or new relationships. Maybe even an outward religion. Is that as far as it goes? Just have an outward forum and you fit in in the congregation here and nobody knows really what's in your heart? Yes, you've got an outward forum. Is that all there's to it? But dear friends, let's not be satisfied until we examine ourselves and what have you found? I pray that you've found that there's still a thirst there if things are not right. And if there is a thirst, there is hope. And if there's a thirst, there's one place to go. Have you found that the world and all that you have, even your religiosity, doesn't fully satisfy you? There's still a feeling. There's still a, a, a longing there somewhere within you. <coughs> oh, yes, these things, and we all know it, don't we? For a time, yeah, well, this is what I wanted. I've got it now, and sit back and happen. What happens after a while? It isn't really. And there's dissatisfaction, and you're looking for more and something else and try something else, and it doesn't last, does it, friends? And so Christ is saying to you and I tonight, if any man first, let him come unto me and drink. You see, in Christ alone, with satisfaction through the pardon of our every sin, our present sins, our past sins, and our future sins. That's the glory of the gospel. That's the glory of what is offered for us. The pardon of our sins. First and foremost, surely that invitation of Christ always includes that. Let us examine ourselves and, and see where we stand in light of what is promised. But then secondly, who is the invitation to? If any man thirst. That little word, any. You see, it is speaking about those who are thirsty. It is speaking to those who are not satisfied in this life with what they are now. 
Are you satisfied? Are you fully satisfied with what you are and how you are? Do you know deep down that there's something that is not right in your life? Well, here is an invitation, a gracious invitation. And there's no limit of the, to the invitation to the gospel. It's to Jew and to Gentile. It is for churchy people and for those who seem to be by their lifestyle at a distance from the Lord. It is for any, any man, thus, whoever you are, whatever you've done, whatever your life has been like, the invitation is open to one and all. That's the wonder and the graciousness of it. Again, I ask you, do you feel that there's something missing in your life despite all that you have of the world? Well, here is the answer. Here is what you ask. If you are thirsty, whoever you are, he is asking you, inviting you to come. You see, friends, preachers and, and others can stand and point you to Christ. I pray that I'm doing that in my preaching, pointing at all preachers, pointing you to Christ, to go to him. But he himself says, come unto me. It's not about coming to a preacher. Come unto me. He alone says this. And he says it with authority. You see, preachers don't know who will come. We don't know who the elect are. It's not our business. The preacher is simply to obey the master's command to go and preach. And in his name to invite sinners to go to Christ. To come to Christ. But he himself directly invites. He himself directly tonight itself in this very gathering. And he says to all who come, any can come. If any man thirst, any at all have this thirst, if there's a desire there, friends, go to him while you still have opportunity to do so. But then, when you think of those who are here, the Pharisees who were seeking his death. But he doesn't exclude them from the text either. He is saying it loudly as we saw it. He is crying it out. He is crying out to all and they all hear it. And they obviously heard of what we read there of the Pharisees, what they were saying. But the invitation is out to all, whatever our sin, whatever our past lives, and we thank God for that. He doesn't exclude any from the invitation. But then someone said, well, can it really be for me? Oh, my friend, you look around you in this very church tonight, and there's not a true believer here who didn't have that question at one time or another in their lives. Can this really be for me? Will God have mercy upon me? I feel... Things are not right. I feel there's a thirst there. What is it? Will this be the answer? Ah, but that's for the Bible. But will you mercy upon me? My dear friend, if you know anything about this tonight, here is where you have to go. Will you forgive my sins? My dear friend, who is asking this? Who is inviting you? Is it not the Son of God, <coughs> the Lord Jesus, or whatever else you believe? Surely you must believe that he if he is inviting, that he is genuine in his invitation. And if you know anything about that thirst in your soul, he says, come unto me and drink. Come unto me now. If any man thirst, come unto me and be satisfied. This is what we need to do. This is the answer, friend, to all of from 
whatever we are, whatever we profess before, if it is, you know, somebody, I remember somebody once saying to me, a person saying to me, well, my prayer is, if I've never, he was a Christian, my prayer though still is every day, Lord, if I'm not saved, save me now. Begin now in my life. And that's what you and I should be every day. That's not, I'm talking about doubting and so that we end up, we are no use in, in the kingdom of God or doing anything to his glory. But that also surely has to be there. The need then to hear, if any man touch, that's who the invitation is to any and all who will come. And then we see thirdly, the need to comply with this invitation. Friends, the Bible makes clear, make no mistake about it, your churchiosity will not save you. Your religiosity will not save you. Your parents being Christians will not save you. You need to be saved to comply personally to this invitation. Doesn't the Bible tell us there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved? None other name. No one else can save us. Nothing else can save us. This is what is needed. This Christ that is offered in the gospel is who you and I need. I was reading a story about a Muslim, a missionary in a Muslim land. And he was one day sitting out somewhere by a little stream and he was taking water and drinking some water. He was thirsty. And who came along but a Muslim cleric? And he looked at him and he said, Ah, I said, your Christianity, your Christian religion is like this little stream. But our religion is a great ocean. And the good man replied, Yes, but this little stream can satisfy my soul. But when you drink of the ocean, you will end up dying of thirst. <coughs> this is the only place, friends. It is the Christian religion. It is Christ, not religiosity. He is the one who invites. It is to him we need to come. And there is genuine, is there not, sincerity and authority in this cry. He is standing, you can just imagine, Jesus stood and cried, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. That, friends, is the voice of authority, but it is also the voice of compassion and love and care for lost sinners. And that also, surely, friends, must ever be the voice of any who dare stand and preach the gospel. You see, friends, we live in a day where nobody wants to be offended. Nobody, I better watch what I say in case I offend somebody. And there's always somebody out there who will be offended at something or other. But friends, there's no place in the gospel preaching for mealy-mouthed, half-hearted, in pleading to sinners to repent. You see, as somebody said, it's not even for preachers that they are not to be motivated by the love for preaching, but the love for the people they are preaching to. And that is important in the preaching of the gospel. Here is the most serious matter in the whole world. And all preachers can do is to preach the message of Christ. 
not to stand as if it's they are going to do something for someone. It is Christ who saves. It is Christ alone who gives the invitation. It is to him we are to go. We must comply with his invitation and we must repent and turn to Christ in repentance and this inviting to come to him. And just as God, I think we mentioned in the morning, is no respecter of persons, whatever their status in life, so also all who go out in the name of Christ must never be men-pleasers and never be above seeking to please God. That's our duty. And this message, this complying with the invitation, it is for the preacher to press on people to hear Christ, and to hear Christ in the preaching and to comply to it. If any man thirsts to go to Christ, none else can save. It was a covenanting preacher. You remember some of them who were terribly treated out in the hills at the run. But one of them was written about who was faced with soldiers in the middle of preaching and caught out where they weren't allowed to be preaching. The soldier went up to him with a gun and he said to him, Stop preaching or I'll shoot you. And the good man's reply was, you do your duty and I'll continue to do mine. And you know, of course, the outcome. But he did his duty. The preaching going out, the invitation of the gospel in Christ's name. But here there is an invitation, as it were, I can put it this way, directly from the Lord himself. And that's the spirit that every Christian, never mind minister, should be of. Whatever let us tell others. Let us plead with others. Let us show, tell them about the willingness of Christ to save to the uttermost. But as we know, more than just an outward attachment or a loose connection with spiritual matters is needed. And there's a danger of that, friends, even in our own church circles. It's good to see, and who doesn't love to see those who maybe are not as yet professing faith in Christ, who still come along, and we rejoice in your coming. But that's not enough. The Pharisees were here, the scribes were here, many others were here around in the temple at this time. They heard the invitation. And some said, of a truth is a prophet. Others said, this is Christ. But some said, shall Christ come out of Galilee? They obviously didn't know their history very well, did they? But you see, Hearing, they did not comply. Though they heard it, they didn't take it up. And friend, in church again tonight, you're hearing, but have you complied? Have you responded to Christ in the gospel? You see, no, knowing more and about knowing, knowing, knowing more than knowing about the, the message, knowing more about the invitation is required. All the people here heard him. That is why we are told that he cried out loudly. He cried out to them. Everyone heard it. They all heard the invitation, but everyone didn't respond. And nobody has ever enjoyed the true blessing of being a believer by simply just hearing and not responding. There is the secret, friends, responding to the gospel. There's the greatest difference being part of a church and being in Christ. 
all the greatest different friends. This is literally a do or die situation. Repent in faith, come to Christ, or die in your sins. I ask you now, what's your choice? What are you doing? Are you complying with the invitation? What kind of invitation for Let us look at the last point, the simplicity of the invitation. <coughs> Even the youngest child can understand what is said here. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. The gospel is a mystery. It's a mystery and will remain a mystery in the sense that some of us are astonished and amazed at God's mercy and kindness to ourselves in the gospel. An old preacher who used to listen to many years ago, a saying he has said, he wasn't a minister, but he was a preacher. The mystery of the simplicity and the simplicity of the mystery of the gospel. You can stop and think about that for long enough. The mystery of the simplicity and the simplicity of the mystery of the gospel. Oh, friends, it is a mystery that Christ would do what he did, but he did. But there's a simplicity as well in it all. You see, it's not about the depth of your spiritual understanding. This is to any and all. It's not I'll go to Christ once I read my Bible and find out exactly what's required of me. It's not about I better clean up my act first and then I will listen and go. What does the Lord say? He says clearly here, if any man thirst, if I can put in the words, if any man thirst now, let him come to Christ. Not if any man thirst and you'll think about it tomorrow. Now is the time, the accepted day. This is the time. This is what he's saying. Are you someone tonight? I ask you again. I know I'm repeating this point. Do you know something of a sense of something lacking in your life? Do you, are you aware of something missing in your life? Do you have a thirst that whatever you have tried up to now and you've tried many things, you're no longer satisfied that you once were? I say this to your friend, be encouraged by that. But don't stop there. That is not enough. I believe, sadly, there'll be many in a lost eternity who sat in congregations like this and who never came to faith because they did not respond to the invitation and the simplicity of it. It wasn't that they didn't hear. It wasn't that they don't understand, at least in a measure, but they have not responded to it. They can't say, I don't know what the gospel is about. Everyone knows what the gospel is about. They may not know, as I said, great theological answers to every point, but you know to come to Christ. The invitation is here. This is what is required. What do we read? Remember that well-known verse in Isaiah. O everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Ye come buy wine and milk without money and without price. It is Christ and Christ alone who can save. Other religions are just false religions. They're from the pit of hell. The Muslim, what will they tell you? 
Oh, well, that you have to give alms and that you, you have to fast and you have to go on a pilgrimage to Mecca. The Hindu, what will they tell you? That you need to be washed in the Ganges River and to believe all humans are divine in one way or another. The Jehovah Witness will tell you 144,000 go to heaven, rest somewhere else, but not in heaven. You don't need to believe in Christ as the Son of God. The Roman Catholic will tell you, you know, do to Mass, you can confess to the priest, you do do penance and infallibility of the Pope. But what does the Bible tell them? What is the biblical requirement according to the Lord Jesus? It is to come to him. To come to him. To trust in him. To believe in him. No need to wonder, friend, tonight. What can I do? What, or what can I offer to be saved? What bargain do I have to do? What must I attain to before I am accepted? And what's the answer? Nothing of yourself. It is just coming to Christ. Coming to the one who is freely offered in the gospel. It's as simple as that. And that's the glory, is it not, friends, of the simplicity of the gospel. If you will but come, whoever you are, whatever your past sins, whatever you professed, I haven't professed up till now, here is the answer for you. This is what is required for us all. If we will come to him, we'll find that the price of our redemption has already been paid. That's the beauty and the simplicity of it all. Friends, it's about coming as we are. It's about trusting in his promise and believing in the one who invites. And what an invitation. And what a saviour who is willing to save to the uttermost. This is what is required of us, friends. Why then would you or anyone else or I refuse the invitation? This simple invitation. Why then should you refuse Christ as his freely offering salvation to any and all who will come? What's keeping some here tonight? <coughs> with your many years of church attendance, with your moral, maybe upright life, with your knowledge, maybe even of the Bible, what's keeping some? <coughs> ah, but maybe I'm not elect. Maybe I let the opportunity pass many years ago when I had more interest, but now it's not the same. Maybe it's too late for me now. My dear friend, the answer to that is that's just an excuse and nonsense. We don't know who are the elect. And if an opportunity has passed, you're still on mercy's ground and you have another opportunity. You can show me from scripture anywhere that says to us, that confirms that I must know if I'm elect before I come to Christ. That I must know that because I let an opportunity pass, I can never sit again and make profession of faith at the Lord's table. Where is that in scripture? Here, friends, is a clear 
simple invitation. And think of who he was addressing here. He was addressing who was in the hearing, his very enemies. And yet, he's offering salvation. What were you and I, if you're a true Christian tonight? We were enemies of God. And in grace and mercy, he offered us. What did he offer us? Himself. Oh, friend, why would any not listen and respond to him? As we have him set before us, as he himself comes and graciously offers himself. They sought his death as enemies, but he still graciously preaches a simple invitation to all. And he is a gracious saviour, and he is a loving saviour, who is willing to save. Oh, he doesn't save anyone, everyone, and that's because some will not come. It's not an unwillingness on his part. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know the voice of it was a gospel song or something. I heard the voice of Jesus say, Behold, I freely give the living water, thirsty one, stoop down and drink and live. That's what we need. Oh, that we would have the answer in that very same verses. I came to Jesus and I drank of that life giving stream. My thirst was quenched, my soul revived, and now I live in him. Are you able to say that, friend, tonight? Oh, that all of us would be able to say it here. Oh, you say, can it be for me? Can it be for me? What do you think? Do you believe Christ was genuine in this invitation? Surely you don't doubt that, whatever else. Oh, you say, of course. I believe the Bible. I believe Christ is genuine in giving this invitation. Well, my friend, what then are you or have you done with this invitation? Have you responded in faith or are you still putting off? Again, friends, I conclude by saying this. Whoever we are tonight, in the pew or in the pulpit, let us ask ourselves, have I responded? Otherwise, you are not born again of the Spirit of God. Amen. Let us conclude. O oh, blessed Lord, we pray that thou would take thine own word and bless it to our needy souls. We can do nothing without thee. But by thy spirit, we pray that thou would convict and convert. And if there be amongst us this evening those who are still halting between two opinions, won't thou, gracious God, draw them to the place where they would be able to say, My Lord and my God, and do so in faith, trusting and believing in the Saviour of sinners. Lord, we thank thee that thou art merciful and long-suffering, and that all who come to thee, that they will be saved, and none will be cast away who truly seek mercy and forgiveness in Christ. May that be the experience of all of us tonight. In his name we pray it. Amen. Amen. Amen.
We'll conclude in Psalm number 63. Psalm 63, again from the beginning of the psalm, uh, verses 1 to 6. Lord, thee, my God, I'll early seek, my soul doth thirst for thee. My flesh longs in a dry parched land wherein no waters be, that I thy power may behold and brightness of thy face, as I have seen thee heretofore within thy holy place. One to six, Lord, thee, my God, I'll early seek. <coughs> are as follows, God willing, uh, the November witness magazine are available on the table for you to take as you leave. Uh, the presbyteries meet by Zoom on Tuesday at 12 noon, and there's a congregational meeting on Thursday 
and at 7.30, and the Kirk session will meet beforehand at 7 o'clock. And the services on the Sabbath, next Sabbath, will be taken by uh, Mr. Kevin MacDonald, the student. And again, a reminder that uh, Reverend David Compton passed away a few days ago. He was a retired minister who had charges in Prince Edward Island and Toronto, Canada. And latterly, he was worshipping with our congregation in Smith <coughs> Falls, Ontario. These are all subject to the will of the Lord. Let us conclude. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion and fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest on and abide with you all, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.